0: Home with my sermon notes, so that's uh, so why I was drinking a lot of caffeine. So you're going to hear some caffeine preach probably here in just a second. And happen to have this this Bible that Ernest sent to me that I pulled out from my office. So uh, trying to trying to figure out what the Lord had written down on that piece of paper earlier in the week. So um, but but all is good. Um, just to just to let you know about the chaplain school is, you know, I'm going to be doing two of the four parts during these six weeks. There's another two parts that I have to do later on, and when when I was in the recruitment process, you know, I was told, you have three years to do this. You can take your time. You can do it, whatever, but um, recruiters say things a little bit different than the actual reality sometimes, and so there's been a lot of pressure then placed on me to get it done quickly and do the whole thing and all that, and so um, you know, so we're just doing two parts right now, and then later on we'll figure out when the other two parts have to be done. But the first two parts are supposed to be the hardest physically, mentally, and emotionally from what I understand. Those that I've talked to have gone through the school, but it's also a good time. So I'm looking forward to it um, for the most part. There's, there's some hesitation that is there. As always, this is the boot camp for chaplains, um, and, and that's a, a little bit of a joke because chaplains are treated much differently just because they have a hard time recruiting chaplains, and so they want to treat them well, but also give them a little bit of taste of what boot camp really is. And so I heard we won't be yelled and screamed at, but there will be some expectations placed on us. Um, and so I'm trying to get my, my mind way up here, so anything less than that I can just kind of back down versus going in casually and then all of a sudden have to do push-ups all the time or something like that. So... um so we'll see how the Lord does it. Um, you know I know the first three or four weeks um, because it is the boot camp phase. Um, I, I'm not supposedly allowed to leave. I don't know what that means in terms of like leaving base, um, going out in the community. Um, what I've been told is you cannot leave the area. so I don't know what that looks like, but after that, I hope to come back at least one or two of those weekends as time permits. Along the way, but you know we do have a good speaking um, arrangement lined up. Uh, David Stanford will be here next week. Missionary Athletes International, and you know he's always doing crazy stuff around the world with a soccer ball. I know, I know you know David. That's the interesting thing is Ivor knows David from years and years ago at Wesleyan, right? Um, you kind of coach together um, and all that. I know you know through Michael, and and I know Anson knows him from Wesleyan as well. And you know David always comes with a great word, but just it's always interesting to see how the soccer ball. Opens up doors for the gospel um, throughout the world, and he's told amazing stories of going to places where the gospel missionaries haven't been allowed, but because they're bringing a product, I guess you could say, um, through the soccer coach training and stuff, it allows things to be opened up. So he'll be here next week, and then I believe we have Joseph Level speaking the fourth. Is that right? The fourth or the left? This is the fourth, right? So I know... You've got the schedule, so I, I know it's one of those two two Sundays. But I believe you're up next, and then um, you're going to hear from from um, who else are you going to hear from? Joe's going to speak one of those Sundays, and I had to compromise and and give it a lot in, and I, um, I still I guess I have to do a few things for you, right? <laughs> uh, he resisted a lot, and then Ivor's actually going to speak in March, and then uh, I think Michael and Craig are going to share um, in there as well. So I believe that's everyone along the line. So. It's some in-house and, and, and one out-of-house, so it should be a good time of God bringing the Word in different ways, and so you're going to be well taken care of. You, you're all leaders, and, and that's the thing is, you know, I thank you for the opportunity to allow me to go is, you know, I may be the shepherd of the house, but, you know, I'm not sacred in in that sense, you know, you always, maybe, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, there's no sacred cow necessarily in the kingdom of God that, that not everyone's expendable in that way, but it's God who leads and guides and directs. It's not a person. It's not a man or a woman. Um, certainly God wants to use leadership to direct people and, and cast vision and all that, but he makes all of us, I, I believe leaders in the kingdom of God in different ways. And so, um, I mean, worship team, you guys did a great job this morning. I mean, that was that was fabulous in in my opinion, just easy to connect in and, and all that. And so I was just thinking, you know, as as Mike and Ben were we're kind of going back and not going back and forth in like a dual type thing, you know, it would be nice to see you guys have a little little playoff or something, right? But uh just just flowing with each other during worship and and that's just the maturity and leadership and you see it all throughout this church and and that's the amazing thing. It's what we've been talking about is just the God using us in different ways to, to be leaders along those lines. And so um, I think that's all I had to say kind of about the army and, and stuff like that. I can't remember anything else. But I just wanted to share briefly this morning. Um, and what I wanted to share about is the process. We've, we've been talking about goals. We've been talking about um, identity, having this revelation picture from God, having boldness. But I, I think like most of us, um, I grew up in church, and I, and I would imagine most of you grew up in church in some capacity. And if you didn't, you still grew up probably hearing certain stories from the Bible, such as David and Goliath standing before a giant, and David you know taking him down with, with a stone, or, or Daniel in the lion's den. These good Sunday school stories that, that our kids are learning in the back, but, but we, we try to mix them up a little bit and, and add more to it. And there's no, there's no cut on that in any way, but, but we know for me as a believer and maybe for a lot of us, I always want to be David as he's throwing that stone and that giant falling down. I want to be Daniel the morning when the, when the king comes and calls out into the lion's den. I don't want to be kind of before that at all. You know, point A is fine. You know, to be David in the, in the field as a little shepherd boy, or not a little shepherd boy, as a shepherd boy, knowing he's provided for by his father, he's got this job, that's fine. And to be on the other side of taking that sword of Goliath and chopping his head off, or Daniel coming up out of the lion's saying, man, I, that's what I want. But that's stuff in the middle. I don't want that. I don't want to be put in the lion's den and having to cry out to God and say, God, are you going to come through? Or putting on Saul's armor and saying, this isn't going to work. Oh my gosh, God, what I get myself into? And having to walk out onto the battlefield in, in the, that way. We have a hard time embracing the process. And as we've been talking through some of the things that, that we've been talking through, like identity that it's important that we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, that we know we're God's workmanship, that we know we're a son or a daughter of the true and living God. And if you weren't here last week, uh, we passed out some of these statements, I am statements. And so they're here if you want to take one and, and tuck it in your Bible or tuck it somewhere. And just beginning to confess that over and over and over, who I am in Christ, knowing that, that God has created me, that he's forgiven me, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All these things are so important for us to get through the process because as we take a step from, from point A going towards point B, there's going to be stuff that comes at us. We know that. Even from when we did our fast and, and begin to put goals down the first week of January to now, which has probably been two weeks, we probably felt some resistance. We probably felt some challenge. We felt like, oh, man, what did I get myself into? Did I really write that down on a piece of paper? Can I get another blue sheet of paper and, and, and make it a little bit smaller or something or, or not as, as challenging? We need to know who we are. We need to be reminded that revelation that God's given us, that big picture that he's given us of what he's called us to do. And we need to hold to boldness, boldness and perseverance as we're walking through these things. And really, if you boil it all down, it comes down to faith. We live by faith And, and faith so many times it's not just knowing, it's, it's hoping and believing based on the promises of God, based on the character of God, knowing who God is, knowing who we are in relationship to God that allows us to take that next step. The calling that's placed upon our lives, so many times we don't see what's, what, the, what the end product is when you're in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the challenge, even in the midst of the victory of saying, hey, this is great. We have to begin to embrace that process more and more and more and understand it. As I was thinking about this, Indiana Jones came to mind. Indiana Jones and and, um, I think it's The Last Crusade. Uh, Most of you have probably seen that movie, classic movie. Hopefully it doesn't date too many people, too much, but uh, it's about 20 or 25 years ago. But it's, uh, I believe it's the last one in this series, possibly, until they came along with a few new ones in the last few years. But he's, they're in search of the Holy Grail. And, and Indy's dad is in this movie, um, I believe. He might have been in some of the other ones. But anyway, I believe he gets shot or something as they come into this cave where the Holy Grail is supposed to be, and there's a series of puzzles and riddles that he must get to. And he gets to the very last one. And there's like a lion's head there, and, and there's a riddle that goes along with it. And, and he comes to the edge of the cliff, and there's this great gulf that is there. And, and there's, he's repeating the riddle over and over and over. And then all of a sudden, he understands what he must do. Let's, let's play it this morning. I want, I want to show this to you. It's about two minutes. You must hurry! All right. I think this exemplifies, models, some of this that, that I'm sharing is, you know, I think I think people fall into three categories when we talk about calling and purpose for the most part. There's those who, who want, in terms of believers, in, in terms of Christians, there's Christians who believe that, they believe in God, let me let me put it this way, they believe in God, but may not understand calling and purpose, and, and they may just go to church on Sundays, and they may do a few things, and that's it, you know, church, God is just another component, just one additional thing to someone's life. Then there's a second category of people who understand calling and purpose, and they, they get to a place like Indy, to where, to where they're at the edge, and they say, it's impossible, and, and they just stop at that point. They know there's a calling. That there's there's a purpose. There's no there's greater things, but there's no way they can leap that rock canyon or whatever it is, and they just stay right there. And the majority of Christians, I believe, stay in that place. They know there's a purpose. They know there's a calling, but when they look out, it's impossible. And God's almost designed it that way in some ways. And then there's a third group that says, "I'm willing." And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to take that step. And that's where I want us to be. And, and, and I believe we're getting there more and more and more. And, and I'm, I'm in that same place struggling with this, wrestling with this as well, of how do I then take that step when you see nothing below you or in front of you? It's asking really nothing of ourselves and asking God for everything. It's that complete dependence upon Him and stepping out in faith in that way. And so I want to encourage us real quick through Luke chapter 1. We're going to go back to the Christmas story of of, of really before the Christmas story of Mary. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says, "...in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David." The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Anyone ever troubled by maybe the picture that God gives you or or the the unction that's there sometimes of like, God, really? I mean, honestly, to to, to be real honest with you, when the Lord kind of dropped the army thing, and I say the army thing because that's kind of how I approached it in the beginning, this this <laughs> army thing was like, uh-uh, Lord, you don't you don't understand. I have no background. You understand that I've got this and this and this, all these things going. And he and he I was just troubled by it. So, you know, I, I'd asked my f- present Holy Spirit here and, and, and to say no. But she said we should pray about it. You know, so there's these things that we're troubled by many, many times that, that we need to be aware of, that the Lord is speaking, and, and, and it's not that it's, it's something else. The angel, the angel answered or told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. That's great, right? If that was the end of the story, you will conceive... She would say, okay, great. Joseph and I are going to get married. We're going to have this son. His name's going to be Jesus. Just like we've seen in history that when a man and woman gets married, they have children, and there's great things that have happened through Moses and through you know, Gideon, through Daniel, through David, all these things. But he goes on. He says, he will be great. Now, now this is some of the calling of Jesus. He will be great. and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his house of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Then Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. And again, we could just simply go home. Now, now, we've already taken a big step of faith. We know the story, we're very familiar with the story, but sometimes the impact of this doesn't fully hit us because we are so familiar. But look at Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant. One, one translation I was looking at says it this way, and I really couldn't find it this morning. It was in my notes. I don't remember what translation it said. Lord, I am willing And that just really hit me because every other translation says, I'm your servant, I'm your your handmaid, which implies that idea of servanthood, of of, I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. I am willing, basically is what Mary is saying. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Man, how many of us want to be like Mary and have that faith and and kind of be in that place saying, Lord, I'm willing to do that. But we don't understand the process many times. And when it begins to happen, we, we kind of shy back or push back and say, no, 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 God, that was too difficult or that's, that's not easy. It's not the way that I planned. It's not the way that I wanted. Because we don't always understand what Mary went through. We see her in this interaction. and The next thing we see is her maybe on a, on a donkey or a mule or, or, or something heading to Bethlehem and being told there's no room, and having a child, and then things kind of become fine and dandy. Yes, they have to go to Egypt, but then you know there's there's the presentation of Jesus at the temple. There's this prophecy from Ananias. There's another. Um, there's a the lady I can't remember her name right now. Someone help me out. That um, Anna, yeah. a- Anna Hannah, yeah. Hannah, Hannah, Anna, who who blesses her as well. And then and then we don't hear much about Mary from then on. Her job is done, and we're like, man, I want to be like Mary. I want to have that faith, Lord. I'm willing, Lord. Whatever. But what was the process like? Here's a young woman who's 13, 14, 15 years old with child, who's not married, who's fornicated based upon the law. It is the assumption and all that comes with that. Who wants to embrace that? Who wants to carry that ridicule? Who wants to have that put upon them? But she was, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I'm willing to do that's hard for me to wrap my mind and my heart around. I don't know if anyone else feels that way or or not. In terms of my calling or your calling or, or what God asks us to do, He asks us to be fully committed. He asks us to be all in. He asks us to embrace it, even when it may get uncomfortable, even when it's not easy, whatever. He's saying embrace this calling. Embrace the process. We've come out of the gate strong, I think, in 2018. We're saying, Lord, we, we believe you're doing all things new. We believe that you're going to do something amazing in this year as, as we allow you to. And, and we can take two or three steps, and all of a sudden it begins to get hard. It's like maybe you're out shoveling your, your uh, driveway on snow. You're like, man, I'm going to dr- shovel this whole driveway. In, in 30 minutes, and you take a couple scoops, and you're like, man, this is hard on the back. I don't know if I really want to do this. I'm going to call my boys out here to get them to do it, because they're, you know, you know, that's our process many times of like, Yeah, and then, oh. we want the glory. And, and not that we necessarily want the glory. We, we want to be used by God and found faithful, to be worthy, to be a vessel of Him. But that process, are we willing? And that's the question that I want to just leave out there is, are you willing? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm your servant. Lord, whatever it may cost me. Because to me, that's where the rubber meets the road. That, that takes a group of believers to another place and to another level. Jesus taught about, he was the, uh, what did he say? I'm the bread of life. Those who eat Of me and drink my blood. This is a teaching he was giving to the Jews who according to the law, you didn't eat flesh, you didn't drink blood. This is before communion, you know? And and they said, Wow, Jesus, that's a tough, that's a tough teaching. How can you ask us to do something? It violated something inside of them. And it says in the word that many of them stopped following Jesus at that point because it was too difficult. I don't want us to be people like that because it gets a little bit difficult. But to be aware there's a process we must embrace many times, that's not always going to be easy. Now, I don't want to paint a picture of doom and gloom because God is good. There is goodness in the land of the living because God moves. I was talking to someone this week and they were, like, they were kind of like doom and gloom. And I'm like, God's been moving in your life and they're like, what do you mean God's been moving in my life? And I named three things very quickly, and I, don't, and I don't know them very well, just based on a few things they had said. God is always moving in our lives in a good way. He's always moving us forward, but he wants us to embrace the process. He wants us to, to have an openness to say, God, here I am. I'm willing. Whatever it may cost me, I'm willing. And we're not going to get it perfect. We're, we're going to probably miss it at times. There's times when we'll be like, yeah, I'm going to stay in the boat right now. And God will begin to work on our hearts and he'll get us over to the edge. And he'll work on our hearts because he doesn't just throw us in the water and says, walk on the water. He's going to help us every step of the way. And so I want to encourage us as we continue to move forward to continue to persevere, but also to embrace the process of what God is doing. That, that shaking, that, that, that churning, that, that sanding, the, 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 whatever it may be. The answer prayer, The victory. All that is part of that process. Are we willing? Are you willing? And that's all I really had to say this morning. You have something.
1: Yeah, this one is for Steve, but you can also get it. Back in the days, let's say, does anybody remember 76 or 77? Anybody here? Raise up your hands. Okay. Okay. After high school, back in Tanzania, you have to be recruited. or oh, It's a mandate to go to the national service, military. And me and my father, we were really struggling because I didn't want to go. His, my father wanted all of us boys to have to be preachers. I kind of said, you know, Daddy, we cannot all go to church and preach. We can do other things. So he told us his vision. He wanted his boys not to be... In the military, not to be intelligent services, you know, spying on others, and also politicians. So, three things. (laughs) I'm very leaning toward being a politician because I can talk, I can do stuff. And he said, No, 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 that's not your way. And then the draft came, I have to go to the military. So, for one year, I went to the military. We stayed there. Six months, we changed the camp. I went to another camp. And I became the secretary of the ruling party in the military. So I was much into the politics. In one week, there was an intelligence officer who came from the president's office recruiting young men who could be going to join the presidential guard. And he said, Josh, you are number uno. Come forth. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't say yes or no. I said, hey, I'll help you recruit people who I think could be really better than me. In my heart, I say I cannot say no to him because he'll find why. And I have to say something about my father, my brother. My brother was already an uh, assistant bishop. So he'll dig into a family, which I didn't want to. So the end of the story is this. I didn't say no to go to become one of the presidential guards. But what I did, I helped him, I facilitated him to pick some other boys, and they went. And when I went last year to check on some of those guys, 10 of them were recruited, six of them are all dead. They are gone. Because my father said this, when you're in the intelligence service, you'll be digging people's dirty stuff, and then you'll take it to the government, and the government will go after them, They're going to get either killed or put in prison. So, And this is the key. You will be guilty of all what has happened to everybody because you are the one who did all those. And then in the military, you'll kill, you'll do all these things. And then uh, in politician, you'll lie. You'll talk a lot of lies to people. So don't go there. Find something else. So I've been struggling all the years to not be in the intelligence, not be a politician, and not to... Go to the military. So, Steve, I don't know whether you were like me. And now you are heading there. But one key thing really which helped me was the word wallowing, you know, getting immersed into God's word will help you. You will know the right, the good, the bad. You will see them, everything. Just to finish up the story, we went to one military camp where there was a lot of massacre. People were killed like crazy. And our work was to take the bodies out of the, those big mass graves and to put them in, you know, the best way how to preserve bodies and stuff. For me, you know, I was 19. It was so bad. For me, it was just too much. But most of the boys, you know what they were smoking on drinking? They'll drink alcohol so they don't have the senses of what they were doing or smoke. That big thing, the ganja thing. I couldn't. So I was crying and doing all those things, but I just say, God, you told me to stay whole and clean despite all these. Yeah. And I managed. Now, nightmare kept coming about what I saw, but it became a very good strength for me to know that, you know, despite of your youth and adult, everything is vanity, it goes and Now I'm here talking to you because I'm still looking back to my father who said, you know, Look at this thing and take it as it comes. God will place you in a place whereby you'll be an influence to a lot of people who will not say, no, this guy, you know, where is he coming? His accent is, you know, funny. But, you know, he will use you to influence anybody you run into because you know you're calling. So, and one other thing which I saw when I heard that he's going is, we men here at PIC. How many are we? We are not too many men. And, you know, there's some chores which we want to work for you, you know, to help you. And I will tell Mike that, Carrie, give us your schedule. You want these boys to go to play stuff? Let us know when you need us because we'll do it. So be open to share with the church leaders and those who think they can help. Steve, this is the time to pick up the mentor let him be there, very safe and sound, knowing that you know I love people at PSC who will do whatever it takes to get those boys, Amen. you know, airlifted and Campan go to places where Kerry cannot do. So we, you are giving us a challenge, and perhaps you're teaching us a little bit of something about you know a calling, and that could be some of us called to, to action. Let me hug you, my brother. <laughs>
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Adrian, you had a quote that you shared just a minute ago. Do you want to, does that fit okay. still? Yeah, well, real quick, um, as far as
2: support, uh, much respect to Mr. Dossi. There's also women that are available to pin the torch <laughs> and the challenge <laughs> and help the family want to share that. But anyway, um, seeing the clip and hearing what you were saying, um, it brought a quote to mind um, by uh, Dr. King. He said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. And yeah. seeing that clip brought that to mind is something that I, an affirmation I give myself a lot because you don't
1: see the path, but taking that first step. Amen, amen, amen. amen.
0: Yeah, be encouraged to take those those steps and, you know, Dr. I, <laughs> just to uh, follow up that, you know, in terms of like the military, you know, it's a question I've asked, Lord, why me? What, why? I mean, there's got to be plenty of things that have to take place there, but I was in a car the last time that we had battle assembly weekend and um, we were going to the International uh, Civil Rights Museum. And so... Usually, you have, to, you have to drive the trucks so many miles each weekend, but there were too many of us. And I just asked this company, hey, can I join you guys? Because I didn't know they were going to the Civil Rights Museum until um, I was in the middle of the briefing. I'm like, we're going to downtown Greensboro? What museum? And they were talking about a museum. I'm like, I only know one museum. And so we ended up going, but I was in a, in a, in a BMW Hummer, meaning that it was this, this other officer. And um, so we're, we're going down 40, 85, and he said... Um, I said, why, why did you join the army? Um, and I kind of explained a little bit. He said, you're the first chaplain that's ever taught to me. He said, I'm an atheist. Um, and the guy, and there were three guys in the back, all oh, three grown men cuddling in the, in the back seat of this car. He said, oh, he's Baptist, he's non-denominational, and, and I don't know what he is. I, I would just say he's non-denominational. You know, he was just very nonchalant about that, and, but he's, and he started asking me questions like, Like, tell me about your church. Tell me about your ministry. Tell me about your life. And I got to share the gospel in the sense of what God has given my testimony along those lines. And at the end, he's like, thanks so much for going with us. Um, He has some questions about the Civil Rights Museum and some things, uh, which you guys have really educated me and helped me understand a lot of stuff that I could give him some perspective that I wouldn't have had before. So this is a ministry that extends beyond just me and, and all that. And so God is good in that. And I think that's it. Sometimes when God asks us to take that step, we don't know where God is taking us or what He's doing with us. You know, um, some of you have gone back to school and saying, God, what, what are you doing? You know, this is a process of, I don't want to read. I don't want to study. I don't want to go to class. I don't want to put up with these 17, 18, 19-year-old youngins who don't necessarily know the world very well and, and all that. You know, that may be the pro. Thought process, maybe not, but um, but you're doing it because God's calling you to a greater calling, and I hate to say greater calling, but to something more. And I hate to even say more it's, there's not even because there's we have enough of God already. It's not that we have to have more of God or, or God has to be better in our life. We're just kind of learning how to plug in 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 a greater way. And so, just be encouraged to take those steps. You know what God is what God is speaking now. Also understand that when God speaks something to you, make sure you share it with some people so they can be praying with you and you're getting it some, something from the Word. Because I remember working with college students, like, I'm selling all my stuff, moving to Africa tomorrow. Or I'm going to Asia tomorrow. They're like, whoa, wait, wait just a second. How are you going to live? What about your parents? What about this? You know, God will do that, but there may be a process of getting there over the next year or two or three or four and all that. So just be encouraged. Are you willing? Real quick, because I know our kids are. I don't know who's back there.
2: It's okay. Okay. This is about Carrie and Stephen. I don't know Stephen too well. I'm getting to know him, but I've known Carrie since she was a little bitty girl, like her kids. And I used to take care of Carrie when she was a little girl, and she used to be such quiet little girl, shy, everything. And we kind of lost touch. And the first time I came to this church, um, my dad had passed away. And her mom said, well, Deborah, we know this really great church, and the pastor's really great. And you know his wife? I said, I do? She said, yeah, it's Carrie. I said, what? Carrie's a preacher's wife? Because <laughs> if you had known Carrie when I knew Carrie, uh-uh. But then what was so neat about it that really made me proud and not a puffy sense is that she became a missionary to China. And I didn't know about that until I reconnected with Carol. And the way we did that is when my dad passed, Carol saw the obituary online, and she called me and mom, and she was talking to us. And she, Carol would say, well, Deborah, there's um." this church and y'all think about it and we just weren't ready but then when we came to this church it was like we walked to that door the first Sunday Barbara was great just like she did today and we connected me and her and then I saw Carrie and it's just like we had never left each other and um, I just appreciate your family and pastor and the kids especially have meant a lot to me. They're like my children, even if you aren't. You're my adopted kids. But I just appreciate all of y'all. But I think not just one another. We need to support them with our thoughts, our prayers, and whatever they need during this time, provide with the Lord's help. That's all.
0: Hey, one thing I wanted to say um, I forgot to say earlier is yesterday we we had a, um, a meeting and I think it was everyone was invited. Uh, we've been calling it a reconciliation group, just to talk about how we as a church live reconciled to each other, to God, and into each other, and what that looks like. And you know we've we've been having this meeting for for um, almost a year, I guess. Um, and it's not always easy to talk about some of the issues that we've talked about but god god is moving i believe among us we want to value each other to to build relationship with each other you know i love what we did this morning hopefully you did too just just the fellowship just you know, we don't always have to just do church. That is part of church. And so, you know, part of at the end was just finding someone else who's different from you. I mean, we're all different from each other, but someone maybe you wouldn't hang out with, someone who, who has a different um, life path and all that, and just spend some time with them over the next six, seven weeks until we reconvene again in March. And so um, if, if you're interested in doing that, I, we still have the piece of paper that, that has that little... Um, exercise on it, but we'd encourage you to do that. And then as we come back together in March, I, again, invite the whole church to come and be a part of that. Because we, we, what we did yesterday is we used to begin to define 20 minutes is all we spent. And then we talked talk, uh, as a large group, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. What is reconciliation? What's social reconciliation? What is social justice? And, you know, everyone's trying to define those terms in some way. And then what does that mean for us going forward as a church? And, God's, God's doing it even outside this church, but I said this maybe a year ago, six months ago, is, is I believe God's going to use us as a church in some ways to help other Christians, other churches walk through this process as well. And I was meeting with Todd, the, the pastor of the Vineyard Church here, and, and he was asking, hey, can I, because I was sharing, you know, some things going on in the church, we have this meeting come up on Saturday. He's like, hey, can I come sometime? Because I want to learn how I can take the vineyard through some of this process as well and talk about some of the issues and then I know Michael met with someone at, a, at another church that was also asking those questions, and so I found that encouraging that you know what God is doing and continuing to do among us as we learn to walk this road together, we're not going to be perfect in that, and when we're' and when you know we're we're learning to fly as the plane is flying in in essence that um but there 's grace that's extended there's there 's love and all that, but just that we continue to build relationship with each other and then let that spill out um, of our four walls into the world into the community, even into other churches and on. so I was invited to a meeting tomorrow and um, mostly white church pastors that and the question that I saw the agenda is how do we become more diverse as a church and I just started laughing um, in some ways uh, because um, just because it's it's there. People are asking that question, and I think we can play a vital role in that. And so I want to encourage you along those lines that, that what God is doing, He's asking us to step out in that way, that, that He's meeting us along that, those um, steps that we take. So we'll let you know what the next date is when it comes in March, all right? We are dismissed. So parents, if you'll grab your children, there might be some more food.